Our passage today finds Jesus first in the water, being baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, and then being tempted in the desert by the devil. These events are interrelated and core to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Luke doesn't really give the baptism much more than a passing glance. Yet it is a foundational piece for what comes next and the place where Jesus is affirmed as God's beloved son. In the newsletter, I encouraged you to read this story, to enter into this narrative with Christ, to absorb the experience for this first Sunday of Lent. We've asked God to give us wisdom from the word. So now let us pay attention with all of our senses to what is happening in the text. The baptism and then the temptation. So we begin in chapter 3 and then we go to 4. Now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. And with a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. On to four. Jesus, full of the spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during these days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. Let us pray. Oh Jesus, thank you for your abiding presence in all we do on this day. What an honor, God, to spend time with you at the beginning of our week with you all together, God, in worship. This is your story, Lord. So please give us understanding of what you want us to know and to feel and to do and to be. Amen. This is a picture of total spiritual attack upon the Lord. As a believer and as a pastor, I have experienced how the enemy does this kind of thing when we are vulnerable. Not everyone believes in spiritual attack, I know. However, it could be reasoned how holding that viewpoint makes us more open 
to the wiles of the enemy. So that's something that we should think about and talk about later, perhaps. In this story, Jesus puts himself in a position of being tested by Satan. Now, while we may read some portions of scripture as a metaphor, like Noah or Jonah, this is not an allegory. Jesus must have told others about this time in the desert since he is alone here. So we read this as a very real event that happened. And as such, we remember that we are on holy ground. I'm not expertly well-versed in the area of spiritual darkness or battles. I have experienced it. I have seen it. I have prayed through it. I recognize it most of the time when it's in my midst, but I don't go looking for it. Like a good Wesleyan, I find a home in the middle about these things. But we don't have to look very far to see the darkness. We don't have to look far to see the darkness raging in the world. How evil seems to be working overtime, seeking whom it would destroy. We don't look, have to look very hard to see the darkness inside of us. To deny that there's an enemy of God who actively works against us is foolish. To say that it was only because Jesus was God that he was directly attacked in this way would make sense. Except Jesus wanted us to see this. That's why it's in multiple gospels. He made sure it was recorded for the church to see the lengths that he was willing to go to. So then we ask ourselves, why? Why? Why would Jesus want to make sure that the early church wrote this story down? And we can think of a few reasons. Because he wanted us to be ready when our time came for this kind of attack. In other words, the enemy will tempt us and we need to know how to deal with it. Anyone here ever been tempted to do something that was wrong? Something that dishonored God and led us in the opposite direction from the love that we are meant to know every day. That's what we read from Pope Benedict last week. But you might say, Pastor, mm, I'm very good at finding temptation by myself. Thank you. I don't need the devil. That's true. And not all temptation is an assault from the enemy. But one way that we want to think about spiritual attack and how it works might be like an algorithm in social media. You know, like when you Google souped up motorcycles or the best gardening gloves or how to cook Moroccan tagine. And then all of a sudden online, Harley Davidson's are all your best friends. And there are multiple ads for how to keep your hands protected when you plant flowers and chefs showing you how to make. North African stew. Coincidence? I don't think so. Now, I'm not equating the internet with the devil too much. <laughs> I'm merely pointing out how both parties know exactly what we're doing and might suddenly show up out of the blue with an invitation to act in a certain way. So forewarned is forearmed. Another reason for Jesus to go through this is to help us for a model of how to fight it. This is instruction from the Lord without him saying a word to us. Jesus uses scripture and not just any scripture. He quotes exclusively from Deuteronomy. The law given by Moses from God for the people. This part of the Bible was meant to be a daily guide for those who earnestly wanted to follow God. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
what has been given to us as true is meant to help us when we are being preyed upon. And what seems clear here is how Jesus is giving those who follow him assurance that while it is not easy, we can make it to the other side. The difficulty ends. We are not by ourselves. There are angels and there is the word of God and there is the spirit and there is a time that the attack will end. He shows us what it looks like to not quit, to hang in there, to not be distracted by what looks good in the moment, but to focus, to focus on who God is, how worthy God is, that God is our goal and God is the one who will bring us life. Look what the scripture says. It says, the spirit was dwelling in Christ and he was led by the spirit. So we think fully human, fully divine, full of the spirit. It is in this way that Jesus goes into the wilderness. This is important for us because while it seems that the Lord is totally out there by himself, he is not. And when we are struggling with what is true and where to turn, we fully have God's presence with us. There are a few roads that we could take from the scripture, many actually. But this morning I want us to focus in on the times we are especially vulnerable as a way of reminding us when we are susceptible to evil, urging us to go astray. In my prayers for others recently, I have been reminded of the places of vulnerability as I have been praying for them. Our needs are a place of vulnerability for us. We have at any given time great needs. That is often where the attack will find a home. Let us be clear, Jesus willingly goes into this temptation with the devil that is part of his fully divine nature and the reason he was here to overcome sin and death forever. We are more often caught by surprise. However, if we are paying attention, we can discern and be more aware of the times when we are quite susceptible. We are vulnerable when we have a spiritual high. Here, Jesus has just been baptized. He's been called the beloved by the Father, which is a title of great honor and an identity Jesus is meant to remind us that all of us have. In fact, this is an identity that Satan uses twice here. If, if you are the son of man, then do this. If you are the son of man, I don't really know that you are, but if you are, do that. This is an insidious type of gaslighting that the devil is famous for. Sometimes we have difficulty understanding what the term gaslighting means, so let's talk about it for a second. Gaslighting is a psychological manipulation where someone in our lives attempts to sow seeds of doubt in someone else, making them question their perception. Did that really happen? Making us question our memories our sanity. It comes from the 1944 film, most famously of the same name, where a husband tries to convince his wife that she's going insane. She's not, but he's manipulating various elements of their lives and insisting that she's mistaken or not remembering well. Jesus is inaugurating the mission God has sent him for, and the baptism was this incredible moment. This incredible moment of all persons of the Trinity coming together, this holy moment of one accord, 
on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. And the devil chooses to attack that relationship and identity. He's trying to render Jesus' sonship as meaningless, trying to show Jesus that it doesn't matter. If you are the son of God, that's gaslighting. It's so clever that we might not even catch it. In our own lives, in times of spiritual darkness, we can inwardly begin to wonder if God loves us or if he is real. The high, the very spiritual highs that we can experience can be easily brought down with a crash. We take things personally. We get ugly. We believe lies. When we are in an especially close place to God, we should anticipate the enemy trying to put a wedge between us and the Lord. Also, when we are preparing for a time of important work of God in and through us, that is a time of vulnerability. Jesus came to meet a world that was a mess, that needed divine and transforming help. And when we think about all the things that Jesus did, all the teachings and the powerful miracles and the way that he met people and changed their lives forever, how he took on the broken systems and all of our sorrows by dying on a cross, and we think, this is how he prepared for such an undertaking. This is how he decided to willingly go to a place of solitude for a time of stillness and preparation and prayer and rest and fasting. Ministry, I use this term loosely, for all of the ways that all of us do God's work in the world is a big deal. And when you know that you are being called to do a big thing or to come alongside others, where you need more than just yourself and your own resources, when you're going to use your gifts to bring about change, when you are meant to walk with the suffering or the hurting, you better get yourself into the desert to seek the Lord. And by the desert, I mean a place where it is just you and God. We have to expect that attack will come as a result of our faithfulness. If Satan could have stopped Jesus here, he would have. How easy would that have been? It's a common tactic to stop the word of God. But we are reminded of Jesus' teachings here. He told the disciples that they were being sent out into the world like sheep among wolves. So it was important to be wise as serpents, which is a funny thing to say, ironically, and harmless as doves. He said this because the world is purposefully hostile, purposefully hostile to those who fear God. And we cannot do the work of God that he sends us out to do on our own. So we need the power of God to be increased in us. We're vulnerable when we are in times of transition. Here Jesus is gearing up for a big life change. He has been in the background, we think, doing carpentry work and waiting until the right moment. And after this 40-day time, he will begin his formal ministry. So let's think about that. Happy life changes, sad goodbyes, difficult work situations where things are not as we thought, family discord, health issues, behavioral or learning challenges with our kids, getting older, marital strife, trauma, loss, holidays. Our lives are full of change all the time. And we have to make sure that our souls keep up with the rest of us. Sometimes we just keep going. 
But we have to stop and take time with the Lord in the wilderness so that our souls can keep up with all of the change that is swirling around us. Sometimes we just keep going as if the transitions don't matter. I'm fine. We think we just don't have time to stop. Pastor, I wish I could stop. I don't have time. It's important to recognize when we find ourselves in a time of change that God wants us to rely on him because this is a place where we are very vulnerable. It's a path that we haven't traveled before and it can feel so much like the wilderness. The vital thing is to recognize the change and what it's doing to our souls and to stop so that we can pay attention. Too often we deny that the change is happening or that it matters. So we self-medicate with substances or diversions. We fight. We desperately try to get out or we're mean to people who are around us. We panic and we blame. Some experts call this hitting our wall. It's an apt metaphor for how it can feel. And into this place when we feel very adrift and perhaps alone, it's a time to go deeper with God. So many places of vulnerability for our souls. Busyness, pride, apathy, being weary, being restless, addiction, not feeling worth anything. And in the places of vulnerability, the devil offers three temptations to Jesus. Change the stones into bread so you can eat. Worship me so you can have power now. If God really loves you, he'll save you if you jump. The devil uses a little bit of truth in all of the lies being told here. Jesus could make bread from stones. He is free to grab power now. He could prove that God would protect him. It's the little bit of truth that often hooks us as well-meaning people. It's where we get trapped. It's how cults operate and how Ponzi schemes work and how predators trap us. It's often with a little bit of truth sprinkled with a lot of lies. One insight from John Stott was how the devil was pointing out how Jesus had rights. Jesus had the right to claim any of these actions. He is the son of God. But Jesus knew that that was not his path. He remains obedient to the Father. He doesn't use the privilege that he has. He keeps the holiness of God as paramount to his entire being and chooses to do the right thing. The right thing. If Jesus had exercised the privileges offered to him here, it would have thwarted God's purpose. The will of our loving and holy God, the will of God is always more important than the freedoms and rights that we have. There's much that's been written by scholars with good reason about how Jesus shows up here differently than Adam and Eve did. That they were in a garden and had everything, yet they were tempted and fell. Jesus is in a desolate, harsh place. He's able to overcome the lies of the snake-like demon. It's not a competition, but it is good news for us who face attack. Because it means that we are able to overcome the wiles of the enemy when it happens to us. Jesus goes through this very, very difficult test. So that when we face our demons, we have his power and grace. We have a different power to rely on and overcome. The word that Luke uses here for Satan is diabolos. 
The, word, the first dia means across, and the second part, bolos, means to throw. So the enemy of God throws across accusations, hurls all that he has at Jesus, who is in a weakened state, hoping to bring him down. In the end, Jesus utilizes the promises and the truth of God to defeat the enemy. And there's something profound here for us to think about. Something profound here about who God is and what we know to be true. Sometimes either an attack or just because we are simply vulnerable, we make choices that highlight our trust in ourselves. Not because we're bad, awful people, but because we go into protective mode, because we are doing what we know how to do in order to survive. And in this space of self-protection and preservation, we are even more vulnerable and open to the lies of the enemy. So one thing we can do in that space when we recognize the tools that we use to preserve ourselves is to stop. It's just to stop and to ask God where he is. God, where are you right now in this place where I feel alone and attacked and vulnerable and I want to do these things that I normally do? Where are you? What would you have me do? Who are you? And wait. It's so hard for us to wait. We want to act. We want to do. Jesus stopped and recognized God with him. We can utilize the ancient truths of scripture which keep us connected to Jesus who has walked this path before us. So what was being offered to Jesus was the same that was offered to the first people in the garden. It's the same thing that is offered to us in times of high desire and low resistance. High desire and low resistance the opportunity to have something on our own, the chance to make independent decisions apart from God, to act apart from God's process and wisdom, to grasp something that is currently not being offered to us, to believe in the narrative of something that isn't true, but selfishly, seemingly, seems so much better than what God is offering us. Jesus is given the chance to not suffer. Jesus, you don't have to go through all that. You're suffering, you're not eating, you're famished, eat. Jesus, this long road is ahead of you, but you could take power now if you would just worship me. To have bread, to have power, to have protection. Yet here we see our Lord, Isaiah, our friend Isaiah calls Jesus the man of sorrows. Being willing to face the suffering so that we could be free. So that we could be free when we face our sufferings. So in this time of prayer on this first Sunday of Lent, let's examine our lives right now. I want you to think about the places where you are most vulnerable. The places where you are vulnerable and the enemy can easily come in and just get you right there. As we contemplate that, let us ask God to show us the truth that he has given us in order to stay in the fight and to trust in him we cry out to the one who goes before us. We cry out with all that we are to all the things we know him to be so that we too might overcome. Let us pray. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, 
you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.